Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be doing a quick preview of the Saturday college football DFS slate for week two. That is Saturday, September 9th. Um, it's coming to you a little late, so we're going to make the preview a little bit quicker. That way you guys that are listening to this on Friday night or Saturday morning can kind of get all the information that you need in one small package. Um, you know, kind of had a lot going on in my life this week. There were some big happenings earlier in the week, which I'm going to get into on our next full-length episode. And then uh, the last 24-ish hours, I've been pretty much incapacitated with a stomach bug. So I'm kind of recording this with what energy that I've got. I'm trying to make sure that, you know, I get this out there and, and you guys get the help and get the information that you need to go out there and kill it in DFS this week here on this college football Saturday. So if you like what you see on YouTube, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. It shows me a lot of support. It really helps me out. If you're listening on audio, go ahead and rate and review for me. Again, really shows me a lot of support. Really helps me out a lot. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into the slate. We're going to talk about the best games to target, and then we're going to talk about our favorite plays at each position. So let's go ahead and start off with what are, by and large, the two best games to target here on this Saturday slate. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so I do believe that there are two games that are buying away the two best games to target from a DFS standpoint here uh, in this Saturday slate, and that is going to be the Nebraska at Colorado game. Um, if you're looking at the totals, this one has a total of 58 and a half, and the point spread means it's an implied score of 31 to 28 Colorado, which both teams get into 28 points. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty big um, point total for both of these teams. The other one that I think is well worth targeting is the Mississippi at Tulane game. So that one has a total of 64 and a half, which is the highest on the slate by about six points, and it's got an implied score of about 36 to 29. The main reason why I want to mention these two games is because if you are not aware, college football has new clock rules where the clock does not stop after a first down anymore like it did pretty much every year up until this year. And so what ends up happening is you end up with less plays in a game because, you know, the clock's running more than it used to. Now, what that also does is it means that up-tempo teams like Colorado, like Ole Miss and Tulane are going to get off more plays because they're going to be, you know, operating in a faster tempo. Even if that clock's running, it's going to be running less in between plays for those teams. And so more plays is going to lead itself to more opportunities for fantasy points from a DFS perspective for us. So we want to play guys in these games where we've got teams operating in a fast tempo because they're going to get more plays, which means more opportunities for carries and yards and receptions and touchdowns. So those are the two games that I really want to target this week. Now, another piece of advice when looking at your uh, plays for this week is be very careful with that average. You know, everybody on DraftKings and FanDuel can see the average for fantasy points per game that is taken from week one. And guess what? If somebody has a high average, it's going to lead to high ownership because everybody's just going to click the guy that did well last week. And so just be aware that the higher, you know, point total you see next to that guy's name, it's probably going to mean higher ownership here heading into this slate. And it's a one game sample size. That average could be very fluky. It could also be very sustainable. So knowing how to play the right plays with that high average is going to be essential this week. It's not unlike playing in DFS college football, guys with projected high ownership. Sometimes the chalk plays are good in DFS college football because they're chalk plays for a reason. All right, now let's go ahead and talk about the quarterback position. So this week, we had some interesting pricing on this slate. There are 10 starting quarterbacks on this slate that are above uh, $8,000 on DraftKings. Um, you know, there's two Utah quarterbacks above $8,000 on DraftKings. Um, so 11 total, but 10 are going to be starting. Um, so let's go ahead and break it down. In my opinion, there's no one quarterback on this slate that separates themselves from the rest. There's not like a Bo Nix or a Drake May that is going to dominate and, you know, dominate in ownership as well. Um, so what this does, 
does is with so many quarterbacks being priced above $8,000, it's going to be a game of can you get it right? And also, can you find the right value plays? Because if you're playing two quarterbacks above $8,000, you're going to have to really squeeze in some guys into your lineup elsewhere. So which quarterbacks are we interested in? Well, first, we got to talk about Cam Rising, who is doubtful for this game. And I'm not going to lie, the price tag, it would kind of steer me away anyway. Um, Baylor just gave up a lot of fantasy points to TJ Finley in Texas State. Um, TJ Finley in that game had 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown um, in that first week of the season. And TJ Finley's not good. Like, if you remember um, LSU the season after Joe Burrow was there, TJ Finley was the guy that was, you know, the next guy up in 2020 and just was not great at LSU. Granted, could he be a lot better at Texas State? Yes, I think it's a good system for him, and he's had success so far in this season. But I just think it's a sign that this Baylor pass defense can be very suspect. So if Cam Rising does play, I think he might be worth a click, even at that expensive price tag. But if he doesn't play, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in Bryson Barnes. Jackson Dart is a guy that I am not intrigued in. While he is in one of our games to target, and he did have a heck of a performance last week, I, I think it was a little bit of a fluke against just an overmatched Mercer team. Um, Jackson Dart only topped 300 yards twice all of last season, and Ole Miss is a team that at its core loves to run the football. They had the seventh highest rush rate of all non-triple option teams in the FBS last season. So, you know, it's a team that loves to run the football, and in a game that projects to be pretty close, I see them running it. Also, Spencer Sanders is still there in Ole Miss, and so Jackson Dart's probably going to cede a few snaps to Spencer Sanders in this one as well. Speaking of Sanders, we got to talk about Shadur Sanders. So, Shadur Sanders, I am in on. Now, this Colorado team surprised everybody and beat TCU last week, and I don't want to like jump on the hype train. Like I don't think they're going to all of a sudden be this eight or nine win team. I think it's more of a red flag for TCU than anything else, but I love what their offense does. They operate at, you know, no huddle, very fast tempo. They've got a lot of talent and they know how to get their playmakers the ball. So he's absolutely in play for me because you know, he's going to have a lot of volume as a passer and his team is implied more than 30 points. Is it an expensive price tag? Yes, it is. But am I willing to click him this week? Absolutely. Now, the next three are all just a pass for me. Brandon Armstrong, J.J. McCarthy, and Connor Weigman. I just don't think they really you know, have a whole lot of collective upside, especially Brandon Armstrong going up against that Notre Dame defense. If you don't have to play a quarterback going up a good defense, then don't. And so I'm probably just going to pass on those guys this week. Will Howard of Kansas State is a guy that I like a lot, though. So he can be played unstacked because a lot of his – performances like he spreads the ball around to a lot of receivers he also has a little bit of rushing upside as well and it's a pretty safe matchup against Troy like this you know Kansas State's implied over 35 points in this one so I definitely think that they're going to be able to put up some points and if they do Will Howard's probably going to be a big reason they get there Michael Pratt of Tulane is another one of my favorite plays on the slate. Um, the Tulane running backs really struggled last week against South Alabama they combined for 24 carries and under 100 yards which is pretty bad, which if the rushing game for Tulane is going to continue to be bad all season, that's going to open up more volume for Michael Pratt, both in the run game and in the passing game, because they're just going to be running the ball less. So I definitely think that that's a good sign for Michael Pratt. And I like the fact that he's going up against an Ole Miss team that is going to push the tempo and this is going to be a high scoring game. So I think everything sets up well for Michael Pratt in this one. Sam Hartman is playing his first big game in a Notre Dame uniform. Um, and what we've seen so far from him, like he's been just solid. But you're not really seeing these huge games from Sam Hartman. So I think he'll have a solid performance. I think he's got a really high floor. I think he's a great play in cash games in DFS. But I think he does lack upside to, you know, to play him in GPPs and tournaments because this is a team that loves to run the football. And I think if they're going to win this game, it's probably going to be by running the football. 
Now, in terms of value plays at the quarterback position, there are a few that I think are a little bit intriguing. Grant Wells of Virginia Tech is not a bad option. Um, you know, he's at an affordable price tag. He gives you some rushing upside as well. And Purdue is now an air raid team. So Purdue is looking to push the ball downfield and score some and score some points. So I, I think he is an option for that reason. I think the actual Purdue quarterback, Texas transfer Hudson Card, is in play as well. Again, he's going to have a lot of volume throwing the ball because they're now an air raid team. And so that could just lead to more fancy points right there. The other value quarterback that I do like is the other quarterback in the Nebraska-Colorado game, George Tech transfer Jeff Sims. Sims was not great as a passer against Minnesota, only completing 11 of his 19 attempts and throwing three interceptions. But what we like about Jeff Sims from a DFS perspective is the rushing upside. He had 19 attempts for 91 yards in that game against Minnesota. And if he's going to run for 91 yards against Colorado, I got to figure that it's going to come with a score as well. And I got to hope that he's going to have more success passing through the air against this Colorado defense. So Jeff Sims is absolutely in play for me as a value quarterback here on this slate. All right, let's go ahead and switch gears just a little bit. Let's go ahead and talk about the running back position. So at running back, We've got a few guys at the top of the board that I think are very safe, solid plays. Blake Corm, I would say, got a little bit unlucky with touchdowns last week for the fact that he um, only scored one. <laughs> like, Michigan scored, you know, 30 points in that game, and Blake Corm only got one touchdown. I think that's kind of unlucky. So I think he could be due for a little bit of positive touchdown regression. I think if you were to play him, you would need two to three touchdowns for him to reach, you know, peak upside. But I do think he is in play. Quinshawn Judkins is a guy that I really like. I think he's the most likely guy to win the slate at the running back position. We talked about how this Ole Miss team loves to run the football. Well, last week he only got 13 carries, and he still put up 21 fantasy points. So I'm looking at probably 20 to 25 carries in this game for Quinshawn Judkins, and if he gets that, I definitely see him going over 25 to 30 fantasy points. Ray Davis of Kentucky has an FCS matchup. Not opposed to going with him for that reason. All he needs is one long run, which he has the capability of doing, and he'll be able to pay off his price tag. Audrey Estime is another guy I don't mind going to. Um, high salary, yes, but he is the bell cow back for Notre Dame right now, and this Notre Dame team loves to run the football. So I definitely am in on Audrey Estime for that reason. Dylan Edwards of Colorado is going to be a fade for me. Um, I think he got a little bit lucky with touchdowns last week, especially from a receiving standpoint, like breaking one long touchdown through the air like definitely really helps his final stat line the fact that he only ran the ball six times and he's now being priced over six thousand dollars um i'm just willing to write the price tag cool off like i think he's going to have another big game before the season's end but i'm probably going to bank on it happening in a pac 12 game against probably a more suspect defense and you know not when he's sixty five hundred dollars on DraftKings. so dylan edwards is one of my biggest fades for this saturday slate Devin Maccabee, I do think, is an intriguing play. We mentioned that Purdue is an air raid team. Well, they still gave him 16 carries last week, and I don't think that them being an air raid team is necessarily bad for Maccabee. Last year, he did shine as a receiver, and this year, he can you know continue to rack up catches. Last week, he had three receptions for 16 yards. So I think that the script of this game, with it being high scoring and up and down between Purdue and Virginia Tech, might help Maccabee out a little bit, and that might allow him to achieve value for his price tag. One situation that I'm avoiding is the Kansas State running backs. They're a full-blown committee right now with Treshawn Ward and Devin or DJ Giddens, but I think the like Ward is priced higher up because he scored the two touchdowns, whereas Giddens was like actually more effective as a runner last week. So I'm willing to kind of wait and see on these two and see who breaks themselves from the pack before I roster them, especially when they're both over $5,800. 
Now, if you're looking for a volume-based play in that same game, Kamani Vidal of Troy is going to see a ton of volume. He had 25 carries last week, and I think that's going to kind of continue. That's what this Troy team does. But I just really... Like, I don't know. I, th I think he's not going to have the same effectiveness against Kansas State that he did last week. He's not going to average 10 yards a carry. But if you're looking for a guy who's guaranteed 20 touches, Kamani Vidal would be your guy. Now, speaking of guys who would be guaranteed 20 touches, DraftKings like done royally messed up here on this one. And that is with Rasheen Ali of Marshall. So Marshall's a team that loves to run the football. And their lead back from last year graduated. Rashina Lee was the backup, and he had games where he looked really good last year. Well, guess what? He looked really good last week. He had 18 carries for 137 yards and two touchdowns. He's a workhorse running back. And for whatever reason, he's priced at $4,800 on DraftKings. I think they meant to type in $8,400, and they switched the eight and the four. Um, he is the chalk play of the day. Everybody's going to play him. And I'm going to be one of those people playing him. I think it's so obvious, and he's at such a low price point that he gives you a lot of flexibility with the rest of your lineup if you play him. I don't care how highly owned he's going to be. Fade at your own risk when it comes to Rasheen Ali. Now, if you're looking for like deep running back values, the two JMU backs, um, Kaleon Black and uh, Latrell Palmer, I sure hope I'm saying both those correctly, are intriguing. Um, Black had slightly more carries in week one at um, was a little bit more efficient. So I don't really know which one of these guys is going to break out, but Virginia didn't exactly look like a good run defense last week against Tennessee, and they're both at very cheap price tag. I think you could definitely make a little gamble on one of those two guys. Now, one offense who we have no idea if they are any good or not is ECU, because last week they went up against Michigan and, like, quite frankly, um, you know, Michigan just overwhelmed them. But Rajay Harris was kind of like the best back for them last week against Michigan. And I definitely think in a game against Marshall where it's more even competition, that the running backs for ECU should be able to have a little more success than they did against Michigan. All right, that does it for the running backs. So let's go ahead and switch it on over and talk about some wide receivers. So at the wide receiver position, it starts off with two Ole Miss guys, Zakari Franklin and Trey Harris. Look, I'm going to be very straight up with this part. If Zakari Franklin plays, none of them are in play for me because I think you're going to see a big split in targets from Franklin and Harris, and Harris is just not going to have the same upside that he did last week if Zakari Franklin is lining up alongside of him. If Harris, or I'm sorry, if Franklin does not play, that I think Trey Harris becomes a very intriguing play. Is he going to score 46 fantasy points again? Probably not, but he saw a lot of volume and he was able to find the end zone. And I definitely think he's in play for the same amount of targets, the same amount of target share if Zakari Franklin is not playing. If you're looking for a little bit of value from this Ole Miss receiving room, Jordan Watkins is not a bad play in my opinion, only if Franklin is out. And then Michael Trigg, is a little bit intriguing to me as a tight end um, with Caden Prescorn being out. Um, Michael Triggs is a pretty talented player, and I think he is got a bright future, and this could be a game where he really shows it. And then Dayton Wade was a guy who was on the field a whole lot last week, um, but didn't really do a whole lot in the passing game with all those snaps. Um, I think he's got a little bit of upside at a very low price tag, and I wouldn't be opposed to playing Dayton Wade if I'm trying to get some of this Ole Miss Tulane game. Now, on the Tulane side of things, I think they're very easy to read. Jaquan Jackson is a big play receiver who is more volatile, um, but probably has more upside out of anybody in this um, Tulane receiving core. The guy that I like, though, is um, 
Lawrence Keys. He led the team in targets in week one. And in my opinion, he has the best profile to continue sustaining what he did in week one. Um, he was a contributor for them last year. He's going to continue being a big contributor for them this year. And then if you're looking for a value play, you've got Chris Brazell. I think he's a bit of a misprice. Um, he was on the field a lot in week one, and he did have some success in week one with four catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. And I definitely think when it comes to value plays, you could do much worse than playing the value plays from this Mississippi Twain game. That's probably going to be the highest scoring game on the slate. Now, the Colorado receivers are also very interesting to me. It's like DraftKings looked at it and basically just said, we're not going to let you play more than one of these guys because they've got three guys priced above $7,000. So which one do you want to play? Well, if you're playing multiple lineups, I suggest playing all three of them, getting a little bit of shares of each of them. Jimmy Horn Jr., in my opinion, has by far the best profile, though. He had 11 receptions for 117 yards and a touchdown, and he led the team in total targets in week one. Xavier Weaver had less of a target share, but was just as explosive. He had six catches for 118 yards, and he didn't score a touchdown. So he might be in line for a little bit of touchdown regression. And then you've got Travis Hunter, who, in my opinion, if he wasn't also playing defense, would be like a lineup lock, in my opinion. Last week, he had 11 catches for 119 yards, and like... He looked really good doing it, but I don't know how sustainable it is for him to continue to play 120 snaps per game, considering pretty much no one in the modern era of FBS football has done it. So I'm going to kind of wait and see on Travis Hunter if it is sustainable that they're going to play him that much at receiver because they really need him at corner. Like that defense is not good when he's not in. So I think I would tend to think that they lessen his snaps at receiver as the season goes on, but we'll see how it goes. Now, after that, these three were really the main pieces in the passing game for Colorado, along with the running backs that they threw to. Um, so the receiving core is like, I don't know, they didn't have a whole lot of action other than that. Michael Harrison might be worth a shot. He was on the field the most out of all the other guys. But I really, with this Colorado receiving core, would really only play one of the top three this week. Now, in the same game, Nebraska is intriguing because we talked about how this game is going to be a shootout. Well, if it turns into a shootout, the Nebraska guy's got to score too. So Alex Bullock, I think, is an intriguing play. He profiles as the team's number one wide receiver, and he could have even more targets with Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda out for the season. Billy Kemp operates exclusively out of the slot. He's a Virginia transfer. He did start last week against Minnesota, just did not get a catch. Um, I kind of think he's got a little bit of, he's going to come in low owned because there's that goose egg next to his name. And I kind of think he's got a little bit of upside because, you know, Travis Hunter does not guard the slot. Travis Hunter guards out wide. So if you want to get a guy who's going up against one of Colorado's weaker corners, Billy Kemp would be your guy. Now let's look at the rest of the board in general. Now that we've talked about our big four teams, uh, Evan Stewart of Texas A&M is very expensive and that receiver room is very volatile. You never know who's going to break out on a week to week basis. The one good piece of news for Evan Stewart is that he did lead the team in targets last week and he did show us a lot of upside. And so I wouldn't be opposed to clicking him, but I think it's an awfully expensive price tag given how volatile we've seen that receiver room be in the last two years. Now, if you're playing Will Howard of Kansas State, you can stack him with one of two guys, Paris Brooks and Ray Garcia tied for the team lead, RJ Garcia, excuse me, Paris Brooks and RJ Garcia tied for the team lead in targets last week. And I think those would be the two guys that I would be going with. They've also got Ben Sinat at tight end, who was very productive last year, very productive last week. Wouldn't have a problem going with him either. But if you're playing Will Howard stacked, I think um, those three guys would be the guys that I would be stacking him with. Now, if you're looking for some value, May I present to you the Marshall Thundering Herd? So for Marshall, 
Chuck Montgomery and Cade Conley were very good last week, and they appear to be kind of the team's leaders at the receiver position. I don't know what DraftKings was doing with um, these two guys in terms of pricing, but Montgomery is the guy that I would play. Cade Conley as a tight end is going to be on the field a lot, and if he gets a lot of those targets at this Marshall offense, they would score some points. I would tend to think that it's going to be one of those two guys, but given that we've seen kind of... Um, you know, I think this game has sneaky shootout potential, and I really like the price tags on those two guys. Now, in terms of games not to target, the Iowa-Iowa State game was a 10-3 game last year. It was ugly as all get out. There's one guy from this game that I would be willing to play, and that is Luke Lachey. So Luke Lachey is Iowa's tight end. We know that they are tight end university. They turn out tight ends to the NFL seemingly every year. Well, Lachey is that guy this year. And last week, he had seven receptions for 73 yards against Utah State. I think he can keep that up. If there's anybody in this game that I think is going to find the end zone this week, it's probably going to be Luke Lachey of the Iowa Hawkeyes. All right, that does it for this episode here on Mike's Money Picks. Um, hopefully it was able to get you guys in an efficient way all the information you needed to go crush this Saturday slate. So whether you're watching this on Friday night, Saturday morning, whatever, hopefully gave you guys everything that you need to go out there and um, you know win in DFS here on this Saturday slate. I know it was a little bit of a shorter episode because of all that I had going on in my life this week, but we will hopefully be back for a full, big, long preview for week three along with our NFL and golf content as well. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel so that way you can be notified when all those episodes drop. If you want to read my long form article on all of the plays for this week, who I'm playing, who I'm not playing, ownership, best situation to target, and all that, go ahead and subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Um, I don't write long articles for free, so there is a little bit of a subscription with that, but it's affordable. I think you get your money's worth out of it. Give that a shot if you want to, if it is for you. If you want to talk to me about any, diff, you know, one individual situation to the site as a whole, whatever, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I guess X now, um, at Mike's Money Picks. And also, we'll be discussing this late in the Fantasy Corner Discord. So link is in the description for the Fantasy Corner Discord. If you want to join that, I will be active in there as well. All right, so that does it for this quick preview. Like I said, I know it's a little bit short this week. Um, this was kind of my Jordan flu game, if you will. Um, hopefully, was able to give you guys what you needed. Thank you guys for watching and listening, and I will see you with the full episode next week.